stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo again to talk about how you can find your next 10-bagger. Now, what is a 10-bagger? Some of you may have heard this term used with the stock market, kind of thrown around, and it's really an old investing term from the 1980s. And apparently it was coined by Peter Lynch. He was the famous Fidelity mutual fund manager because back then mutual funds were hot in the 1980s. And he had this tremendous track record during the 80s bull market. And he coined the term 10 bagger to basically mean you bought a stock winner. So these are stocks that have literally given you a thousand percent return. So you bought it at $10 and now it's at a hundred bucks or you bought it at $1 and it goes to 10. And usually in his definition, to get those winners, you had to buy companies that had strong earnings growth and you try to get them as cheap as possible. And he was able to do that in the 80s because we were coming out of the bear market of the 70s, equities were dead, you could just put your money in the bank account and get a a better return than you could on stocks. So a lot of stocks were dirt cheap in the 1980s. Um, For instance, Home Depot, I've been looking around at that recently and I was looking at its its early 1980s IPO and I think you could get it for like three cents, three cents a share in the early 1980s because no one was paying any attention. Um, So I'm not saying Peter Lynch wasn't a good investor by any means, but he was able to find companies with strong earnings growth in that 80s time period that were cheaper on a valuation basis. That's a powerful combination. And he was able to get a lot of 10 baggers, which is why he's legendary now as one of the great investors of that era. So that being said, it may sound easy, as I'm sure you can think of many stocks that might have been 10 baggers just in the last 10 years, because we are in another bull market like the 1980s. So I can think of two off the top of my head that I don't even need to go and confirm. Netflix is definitely a 10 bagger during the last 10 years, as well as Tesla, um, easily a 10 bagger now in the last 10 years. But that is the magic of the bull market, right? Um, You're getting that boost from the market conditions and you're also getting um, the earnings growth that appears in the bull markets as well. So how do you find the next 10 backer? You might already own the Netflix and the Teslas, but yeah, you're willing to find some more 10 baggers, right? Uh, Because why not? So there is really no screen for this. A lot of it is luck. Um, Some of it's just kind of instinct. So for instance, you might have been a parent of small kids in the mid 1970s. And that's when McDonald's launched the Happy Meal. So you were going there like literally every weekend to, to get McDonald's. And so your kids could get this Happy Meal thing. And so you loved it so much, you decided to buy that stock. That was just basically luck, right? Um, I also once met an investor from the Chicago suburbs who in the early 1990s started to go to a new coffee chain that opened in her town. 
And it turns out it was from Seattle. Yes, it was Starbucks, one of the very early Starbucks. So they also went IPO just shortly after that, after they opened some stores here in Chicago and Chicago suburbs. And her kids, who were like, you know, 10 at the time, uh, apparently had made many trips with her to that Starbucks. They told her to buy some shares in it when it went IPO. So she did, and those shares ended up paying for her kids' college a decade later. But remember, these are nice stories, but not all businesses will win. Not all IPOs will be McDonald's or Starbucks. Most will not. So these stories kind of have some confirmation bias because uh, the people that bought McDonald's in the mid-1970s like to brag about it today, right? Why wouldn't you? And they're really not going to tell you if they bought some burger chain that ended up going out of business, um, you know, not even making it, which a lot of businesses do. Even the ones that go public, a lot don't stick around. So they're really not going to tell you about their losers, right? Like, why would you? That's why luck is involved. Also, some 10-baggers might be 10-baggers well after their IPO, like, like Netflix. Netflix went IPO in 2002, yet it was still a 10-bagger over the last 10 years, and it's 19 years old now. So don't overlook some of those older companies that might become winners in their industry for various reasons. Obviously, Netflix uh, became more of a winner once it decided to retire. Well, actually, it hasn't even retired them. The DVDs. Remember the red, red envelope DVDs? Yes, I still get those. There are, there are still um, like a million of us or something, I think Netflix said recently, that are still getting the DVDs in the mail. But that ceased to be their big business model um, over 10 years ago during the Great Recession, the financial crisis, when they started to launch the streaming side of the business and to pay money to get that online content. And so that was a big change in the business. So that's another thing that you have to watch out for when you're looking for 10 baggers. Whatever the business might be initially might not be the business later. And that is definitely true of tech stocks. Um, it can be difficult to find 10 baggers in technology stocks because tech, tech is just changing so quickly that even if you get into what you think will be a winning industry or um, stock might not be because they get taken out within even like five years or, or even less. So um, that can be difficult looking at technology. So I like to look at the top consumer brands and that can be um, in retail, it can be in restaurants, it can be just like some kind of product that they might have to have because those brands usually have a longer growth runway ahead of them. If they're about to go IPO or just went IPO in the recent like year or two, then like some of them um, are kind of newer businesses with maybe you know an innovative product or uh, food or something along those lines. And I can actually maybe think that they're not gonna be obsolete in only a couple of years. So um, I feel a little better for myself finding, trying to find those. Um, so with 
trying to find a future 10-bagger, why not look at some recent IPOs? I'm not a big fan of buying the actual IPO, like when it first launches, like that first day or week of the IPO, because I always feel like there's a little bit of hype around a lot of IPOs. Even this year in 2021, when we're basically seeing a record year for IPOs, um, so there's a lot of them. So there's a little less hype with some of them because there's so many going IPO, not as many people paying as close attention. But um, I do like to take a look and keep some IPOs on my watch list that I like for a few months, um, maybe even a year after they go IPO to kind of see what's happening with the shares and the business underlying it to see if um, it's looking a little more attractive or a little cheaper after the hype dies down. So for those IPOs, I do like to look at the restaurants. So in restaurants, a popular Chicago chain has recently gone IPO. And I saw someone ask Jim Cramer this on Mad Money, and he didn't know what it was because it is Chicago-based. So a lot of Chicagoans tend to know this company. It is Portillo's, ticker PTLO, and it now has a market cap of $1.5 So it has gone IPO a little pricey here, but it specializes in red hots like hot dogs and hamburgers, Italian beef, and then it has its famous ch chocolate cake that it specializes in. I'm also a fan of its salads. You can get one of its party salads. It has kind of the secret um, dressing on it that makes it real tasty. So it's not all like necessarily unhealthy foods for you. Um, but if you look at its filings when it went IPO, some of its restaurants in the Chicago area uh, like far exceed those in other markets like big chain restaurants like McDonald's by far. It's very profitable with its drive-through business and um, it did well during the pandemic because of the drive-through. So it has big expansion plans though, but I do have to say, um, be warned that many regional chains sometimes act like it's very easy to expand their brand nationwide and then after they go IPO and they attempt to expand or they are expanding, they find out it's not quite so easy. So one of those that I think of when I think of that is Shake Shack. So Shake Shack, ticker S-H-A-K, is down 15% right now year to date, down 14% for the last two years. Obviously, the pandemic was in there. And that was difficult for Shake Shack, which was mostly like a fast casual you dined in. They have rotated out more to delivery since the pandemic because all restaurant chains had to. Um, but they were very popular in their home New York City market. And a lot of people bought that IPO because they went to the Shake Shacks in New York and they knew how crowded they were and they loved the product. But as they've expanded nationwide, they've had a lot more difficulty actually growing the restaurants that were outside of their home market. So I've never been a fan of the Shake Shack, as many of you know who follow me on Twitter. Um, I still kind of beat it down because their same store sales comps have never done what the New York stores have done. So I'm kind of leery of the Portillo's for that reason as well. Chicago has been great for them. But what will happen when they're in New York City 
or some of these other markets, um, I'm a little bit more dubious. So just keep that in mind. Another one on the restaurant side you might want to keep on a watch list, but it hasn't gone IPO yet, is Sweet Green. This is the fast casual salad chain. They have said that they're going to go IPO soon. It does have a cult-like following, um, but that it, it also has nationwide expectations, but it has competition in other markets. I know when I was just recently in Los Angeles, I saw another salad chain. I saw some sweet greens there, but um, I forget what the name of the other salad garden or something like that. But I was like, oh, is that another sweet green? And basically, yes, <laughs> it is. So there are going to be competitors to sweet green in many markets as well. Just keep that in mind. I haven't seen their filings if they've even put them out yet um, to see what their numbers look like. But restaurants, as we've seen with McDonald's, as we've seen with Chipotle, can be the source of big 10 baggers, but it can also be the source of a lot of pain um, like Shake Shack or um, other like kind of trendy chains that just have had difficulties expanding nationwide. So keep that in mind with the restaurant chains. Then let's switch over to retail because there you can find a lot of hot consumer brands and chains as well, but similar kind of caution. So I already talked about Home Depot, which shares were up 20,000% in its first 10 years, but you were getting it pretty cheap then. Um, but the stock has performed well since the Great Recession as well, and over the last two years is up 55%. It hasn't been a 10-bagger over the last couple of years, but still has been a very good performer because it's a little more mature now. And the shares are actually pretty pricey, so you are paying a lot more for the earnings um, at this stage than you did earlier in its history. So that's something to keep in mind. Also, when some of the hot IPOs go in retail, they can tend to be a little trendier that, and those trends die out. I'm thinking of Canada Goose, for example, ticker G-O-O-S. It used to be one of the must-have products, right? Those coats, they were super in style. Um, but then that kind of cooled off and so did their sales. Then the pandemic happened and that impacted a lot with store closures and, and other things. So the shares are up off their pandemic lows like all retail is, but the shares are still down 7% over the last two years. And it's not been a 10 bagger um, if you bought in the recent couple of years and it's kind of cooled off here, but yet the shares aren't really cheap enough either for me as a value investor to go in there and take a look. So that's one of the cautionary tales. That being said, there's a couple recent IPOs that I kind of have on my own watch list for um, you know the future here. One of them is Olaplex, ticker OLPX. Now, this isn't a retailer, but they do make a product that's sold in uh, some, some retail stores like Sephora. So they are hair care, and they have kind of a secret formula for a shampoo and conditioner that's used in a lot of beauty salons, and now you can buy it yourself at like Sephora. And I uh, these shares just went IPO in October of 2021, they're up 16.7% so far in 
so far since the IPO. Uh, the shares are expensive, but they do have earnings. So they're expected to make 31 cents this year and next year 44 cents. So that's some nice earnings growth. I took a look at the revenue expected to make uh, $536 million this year. So this isn't a small hair care brand. That's half a billion dollars just selling shampoos. And 2022, so far, the analysts have them up at 698. So um, almost 700 million for next year. That's also some nice double digit growth there. So because shares little pricey here after the IPO, PE is at 93 times. So you are paying a lot for the 31 cents so far this year. They're gonna have their first earnings report on November 10th, if you're listening to this. After November 10th, they've already reported. So go back and see what they've done. But um, I'm kind of keeping this in my watch list to see if I can we can get some kind of sell-off here. But Olaplex, these shampoos are a very popular product. The question will be is can they expand to other products that really you know start to grow those revenues? They are starting to do so. Um, and so that's something to keep in mind. But again, early stage companies, you know, are just on the growth, the beginning of the growth trajectory. So that's Olaplex, O-L-P-X is that ticker. Another one I'm watching is First Dibs, ticker D-I-B-S. And they only went IPO here in 2021. And they're expected to grow their revenue 21% here in 2021 and another 17% for 2022. The earnings are still negative. And First Dibs is the... Um, online site that a lot of interior designers use to buy like antiques and home furnishings. A lot of antiques though on there, but this gives them a real niche market in home furnishings that basically no one else is doing. And I kind of like the online marketplaces because First Dibs is in like the Etsy model. So Etsy has become very successful at having, you know, home made products and small businesses selling directly on their platform. First Dibs has, you know, the antique side of it and, you know, nice things being sold on their site. And I uh, heard RH's CEO talking about First Dibs. He actually brought it up in their last earnings call because they have an antique side business that they're starting to ramp up which he claimed was going to be better than First Dibs. But the fact that he's comparing it at all with First Dibs tells me that First Dibs is a competitor on that side. So I kind of like, as I said, these online marketplaces because not everybody's selling on Amazon for various items, right? And you can get a kind of monopoly in a certain area as Etsy is now done and so I kind of like First Dibs. Its stock has been kind of crazy. It looked like maybe some memesters might have been in there recently. It's had some big pops for no apparent reason. But some insiders have have bought in recent months as the shares have sold off and are below their IPO price here. So that's interesting to me. So um, yeah, that one also reports on November 10th. It's first or, or not first. I think this is a second maybe earnings report, but it has one coming up too. So keep that in mind. You want to tune in and listen to the conference calls and find out what is going on with the growth of the business. 
Um, also, as I said earlier, you might want to look at some that have been around a while, but maybe their stock is out of favor or they're in some kind of transition. So I am thinking of some of the automakers like GM, ticker GM or Ford, ticker F, which has now soared, Ford shares have soared because it's starting to look likely that both of these companies are gonna be big competitors in the EVs, the electric vehicles, and that's gonna change their business model, right? Because we're all gonna be buying the electric vehicles going forward. So they're both going all in on it. They're going to be competing against Tesla and Toyota and BMW, everyone else. And you do have to be asking, what if they can succeed at this? So the Ford investors have kind of figured out that maybe they will succeed at this. So Ford shares have taken off. They're at multi-year highs here, but still trading at only 10 times forward earnings. GM has been a bit of a laggard. They've had some issues. Um, outside of the EVs. And so GM trading at 8.5 times forward. But again, with some of these companies that have been winners in their industry, when they get cheap, but they're entering into new business models, sometimes you can end up with a 10 baggers in those situations. I'm also thinking of like a Microsoft from you know, 15 years ago, it's still in some of its old business models, but it entered into the cloud, it bought LinkedIn, it added all these new businesses that really turned around those shares. And they were fairly cheap, you know, 15 years ago, after the dot com bust, and now not quite so cheap as the shares have taken off. So there are no guarantees. Some of it is luck. For every um, McDonald's you make a bet on, as I mentioned, you might get a Shake Shack and you're not going to get the Chipotle. It, it is very difficult to, you know, make a bet and get a 10 bagger. It's not easy, even though it seems like it is in the last several years. So what you have to do is not bet on just one future 10 bagger. You have to make bets on several of them. Because again, the odds are that they all aren't going to make it. But um, half the fun is in the chase, right? I know it is for me trying to find that next 10 bagger, that next uh, Netflix or Tesla or Home Depot. Um, so it's fun to buy into several of these companies that are kind of newer and innovating and see what develops with them. And you really have to stay on top of it, though, uh, if it turns out that the growth just really isn't there, which it really isn't with Shake Shack. Uh, they've been around a number of years as a public company now. And yes, there was the pandemic. But even outside the pandemic, they always had a hard time growing those same store sales comps, which is an important part of the business of a restaurant chain. Yes, you can get growth by opening up new restaurants, which is all Shake Shack has been doing the last several years. But that's not legit growth. You want the Chipotle or Domino's legit growth of growing those same store sales at those old stores. 
by 5%, or if you're lucky and you're Chipotle, you can do a 10% comp, which is really, really difficult. So um, keep that in mind. And when you're listening to like what Chipotle uh, or uh, Portillo's is doing, for instance, um, you have to give them some time to see what the growth is looking like, but don't stick around forever if it's looking like the growth part of it is not going to be there. Same with retail or any business for that matter. Okay, so I talked about a lot of tickers on this week's episode, so I'm going to go through them again. So there was McDonald's, MCD, it's still a winner. Starbucks, SBUX, I own it, but no, I did not buy the IPO. And no, I did not buy in the 1990s. I think I bought about six years ago for my Starbucks. So um, again, you can buy some of these companies much later in their lifespan and still do okay. Um, there's Portillo's, the new restaurant chain that's launching from Chicago. PTLO is that ticker. Shake Shack, S-H-A-K is that ticker. Canada Goose on the retail side, G-O-O-S. Home Depot, H-D. Olaplex, the new hair care IPO, O-L-P-X. First Dibs, the online antique site and furnishings d-i-b-s is the ticker and then sweet green i don't think it has a ticker yet but be sure to keep that on your list as that one's coming and then general motors gm and ford is f i mentioned tesla i think we all know the ticker tsla netflix and flx is the ticker so you want to be sure to subscribe because you never know what topics i'm going to cover on the next market edge and we're getting towards the end of the year so that means i'm going to have some interesting you know end of the year wrap-ups and what to look for in 2022 and what stocks i'm keeping my eyes on for 2022 those are always really fun episodes so you want to be sure to subscribe and get them all on amazon music we're on spotify we're on um, apple podcast of course we're on soundcloud but get us somewhere And I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.